All right, why don't we get started this morning? Uh, Let me open us up in prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for being with us today. We ask you would open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have us to hear today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I had thought about starting this lesson with bringing in my... uh, Um, iPod and a very large speaker and turning it up really loud just as I was getting ready to start speaking. Decided against that because it was probably a little too annoying for this early in the morning, but how many of you think that would have been a good idea? (laughs) Hey, why would it not be a good idea? It's a distraction. It pulls us away from what we're actually here for, which is to hear this lesson. So that's what this lesson is ultimately about. It's about those distractions. Uh, Life gets very busy. We have a lot of distractions. And it does have an impact on how we live our life as a Christian. Now this subject is very rich. I could be here all morning on any one of these points. But we're trying to give an, an overview Uh, to get you thinking and to move towards the direction of applying some of these disciplines. Remember that in the context of this series, disciplines are just personal habits developed over time. We start small and be consistent with them, and after a while, um, you will begin to reap the benefits. So let's first define what the problem is. So first of all, we have a society around us that is constantly giving us messages. The first one is work. Work a little bit, then work some more, then work again. Be productive. Do more with less. I remember at one job, my supervisor told me, um, as an IT project manager, you are on call 24-7. Whenever somebody needs something, you need to be there. We're told that we're not being good parents unless we give our children every single opportunity they could possibly want, when really the only thing that matters is training them up in the ways of God. Now, before the invention of the light bulb, (coughs) people had natural rhythms, night, day, seasons, winter, summer. And in one study, the average night's sleep for most of history, it was about 11 hours. That sounds impossible today, but that was what the natural rhythms were. Now, the pace that we have seems to be accelerating. It was the invention of the light bulb that gave us the ability to extend our day, but things uh, continually uh, accelerate. So even maybe... 40 years ago, things were still, uh, you could still see these patterns emerging. Now, I grew up in a home where there was constant sound all the time. My father would come in, turn on the radio. Didn't matter what we were doing. Take a shower, the bathroom radio goes on. Get in the car, the radio's on. All the time, it was mostly, you know, he said he liked... uh, uh, like to be able to listen to the news, catch something breaking. Um, it was job related, all these things. But 
it was still constant bombardment of sound. Now, <clears throat> things are definitely accelerating. In one uh, study, 2007 was a key turning point in, in this process. That was the year that the iPhone was released and Twitter and Facebook became operative. <clears throat> so these things in technology are actually engineered for maximum attention. They pull you in. That's their whole reason. Um, that's how they're uh, manufactured, so that you, um, you get maximum clicks. And what happens is these actually become addicting. <clears throat> now, if you're not sure <laughs> whether it's addicting or not, try turning your phone off, your laptop, putting everything away for 24 hours and see what happens. It's very difficult to do for some of us. Even more than that, there are studies that show that this, this is actually changing our behavior. Attention spans are getting smaller, from 12 seconds down to about 8. It's also rewiring our brains. We actually approach things differently. We have shallower thoughts. We think in sound bites. We want things fast. That's changing our behavior and the way that our brains actually work. In another study, um, they've actually put a term to this, this sense of time urgency produces a constant state of anxiousness, and some have even called this um, hurry sickness. So what are some of the signs? Irritability, restlessness, nonstop activity, you just can't turn yourself down. Emotionally numb, you begin to uh, cushion yourself against all of these constant bombardments. Escapism, that's overeating, binge-watching Netflix, things like that are escapism. Isolation, you begin to feel isolated. Even though you're more connected, you feel more isolated. You begin to neglect things like uh, good eating, uh, sleeping, uh, a good amount of time, your exercise patterns slow down. All these things are signs of what they call um, this hurry sickness. So, how many times have you either said or heard, if I only had more time? Does that sound familiar to anyone? Yeah. So think about it for a minute. What would happen if you actually did have more time? There were now 48 hours in the day instead of 24. What do you think would happen? You would fill it up with the, th the same things. You would just fill it up. You can't get to that stack of books, so you read them, and you f put the next pile of books on there. Whatever it is that you can't get to because of time, you still wouldn't have enough time because you just fill it with more things. So, what the next question might be, well, this is all very interesting, but what does any of this have to do with me as a Christian? What is, what is the, the, the bottom line? Because we're here for a Bible lesson. Anybody have any ideas? How we spend our time. Yes, how we spend our time is very important. Even deeper, 
Busyness affects your ability to connect with God. You not only feel disconnected from people, you feel disconnected from God. Now, you can't hear his voice. You can't remember Bible verses. They don't come to mind as, as easily. You can't sense the presence of God. I, I hear that a lot. I, I just don't feel like I'm connected with God at all. We each have a conscience. You can't hear your conscience because you're always filled with this chatter. <clears throat> Hurry and distraction are adverse, opposites to a, a good biblical life in the spirit. Now think about how often the Bible speaks in terms of long. Think of a tree, long, steady growth. Sometimes quicker, sometimes slower. Things take time. There are no shortcuts. The life that we are presented with in the Bible, all of these things take time. Relationships take time. That's the... Um, that's the model that we're most often presented with. That's at odds with this idea of hurry, more, do. <clears throat> In addition, we're also wired, hardwired, for rest and rhythms. How many times have you thought, oh, I just want to get away from it all? Does that sound familiar as well? Things just press in and you, I want to get away. Well, that's because we're actually built that way. We are uh, built as creatures of rhythms and, and habits, and, and all of that is built into who we are as people. <clears throat> so let's get to the, the real heart of the issue. This is Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If that's true, why do things often seem very hard? Does, does life seem hard? <laughs> Why is that if, if the yoke of Jesus is easy and the burden is actually light? Why does it feel hard? Jeff? We're attracted to the uh, world system. Yes, we're attracted to other things, uh, the world's systems. Elizabeth? Right, we don't know how to be still. We don't know what it means. <clears throat> so we're getting closer to the issue here. Life sometimes seems hard because life is hard. It's always been that way and it always will be that way. Again, there are no shortcuts. There's no easy life. Life is hard. Difficult things happen all the time. But what the Bible teaches is a way... Through that, we have tools to be able to manage that uh, difficulty, the hurts, pains, challenges. And these disciplines are part of that process. John Ortberg says, hurry is a disordered heart. 
your heart is disordered because you're centered around the wrong things. James 4.13-16 Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. That points to an ordering around the wrong things. We, have, we are so tied to this life and the things that are going on, but the Bible says we have no guarantees. Life is just a mist anyway. What is really important? When you die, you don't take your millions with you. You don't take all these accomplishments. All that matters, what you, you have left, is what you've done <coughs> for the kingdom of God. Mark twelve twenty nine to 31 says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that, he answered them, Well, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Well, as we saw in the beginning, we're often filled with all this other stuff when our mind is cluttered or time's filled, we have little strength. What is the toll on our soul? <clears throat> We're focused on things other than love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we have no time to really love our neighbor. That's what it comes down to. It's a, it's a uh, misordering of our priorities. So we all have limited hours as well. Ephesians 5:15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, it's an entire walk. It's a way of life. We need to be walking wisely. And, it mentions time. Time itself, clocks weren't embedded until uh, medieval days, but time has always been, and time is what we are functioning within. The Bible says we need to pay attention to our time. So what it comes down to is a specific lifestyle, not just one thing or two but a life where you have rhythms and routines that make up your everyday existence. You should organize your life around something other than the world. It should be organized around abiding in the presence of God. The word abiding is a uh, recalls the um, vine and branch. We need to be abiding, but what does that even mean to, to abide, to be in? How do we do something like that? One author put it this way, you become what you contemplate. What you think about is what you actually become. So what are you thinking about? 
we have the conscience, we have the Holy Spirit, but we also have this constant internal chatter, bombardment from the world. <clears throat> In general, we almost always have an idea of the right thing to do. I've often told my kids that um, usually when you come to a decision where you can either go one direction or the other, the way of God or the way of sin, there's almost always a point where you actually make that decision. You may not even notice it, but there is a point where you decide to go one way or the other. <laughs> With all this clutter, you might miss it. You can't hear it. You just sort of go right along with the flow. So how do we structure our life around the things that are really important? How do we allow time for the rhythms of service, time for family, discipleship, solitude, all these things? Well, the first place to look, let's look to the example of Jesus. Can anybody think of something from the life of Jesus that might be helpful here? Exactly. <laughs> Since the goal of our sanctifi sanctification is to be more like Christ, he is what we are trying to follow. Let's look at what he actually did. He went away. Now, we know that Jesus was sinless, he was perfect, yet he was also very human. All of these things had the same influence on him, and so we need to pay attention to how he handled them. We do have responsibilities. We have responsibilities to our families. We have our obligations to use our gifts within the church to build um, ministry. We have, uh, you know, we're supposed to uh, serve others. All of these things are necessary things. They're not bad in and of themselves. Jesus also had a ministry. He had a very weighty responsibility. We see this happening all over. He had a very busy life. But we see him balancing those, the needs of, of the people around him, with the need to practice an ongoing pattern of solitude, getting alone to be with his Father. Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Mark 1, 35, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, Everybody's looking for you. Where are you? There's all this need going on. What are you doing? I'm out being alone with my father. Matthew 14. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him the other side, when he dismissed the crowds. After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He was there for a while. He set time aside. Now one that's uh, maybe a little bit more telling is Luke 4, 42 to 43. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people saw him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. 
He said no. All the people were asking him, I, we need you to do stuff. He said, no, I have my purpose. My purpose is to go town to town. So we find Jesus being very active. He's teaching, he's feeding crowds, he's healing, he's traveling. Can you think of any place in the Bible where it says Jesus was hurried? Where he seemed to be out of sorts about all this stuff going on around him? I couldn't think of any. <laughs> it's hard to imagine Jesus as being hurried and harried, because he wasn't. Even to the point where he was asleep in a boat during a storm and let a friend die. Lazarus passed away because he took his time getting there. <clears throat> he was always aware of the things that are going on around him, and he's constantly interrupted. You see people reaching out, dropping uh, friends through the roof. He's always interrupted in what he's doing, but he's never concerned about the interruption. The interruption happens and he handles it. It's not, oh no, what do I do now? He handles it. <clears throat> Essentially, he's rooted in the moment at all times, and he's always connected to the Father. He's aware of what's going on. He always knew what the right course of action was, and disciplined to follow it. The crowd wanted him to do something different. He said, no, I have my purpose. I'm going to follow it. Do you see a connection between some of these things? When a lot of these events happen, it was right before and after he went away for solitude. This was a very important discipline that he followed. He was away. He, he just got away to be with his father, Elizabeth. <laughs> to can happen. <laughs> yes. And that's the this is the thing that gave him the ability to do those things. He was unconcerned about what might happen because he was connected to the Father. He was centered. He was grounded in his purpose. And that was due to this, this discipline of solitude. So that takes us to um some of the actual disciplines of silence, solitude, and rest. Now, silence and solitude you can think of similar to the idea of fasting. We have um, recently studied fasting. You uh, set aside food for a bit, um, but it always has a perf purpose. The purpose is, is to, to know God more deeply. Solitude is similar. Um, it's just being alone. You um, fast from people and things and, and all the activity but it's not just being alone it's the, for the purpose of being alone with God <clears throat> another discipline is the Sabbath rest Sabbath rest is built into the rhythm of the universe itself God created the universe in six days and then he rested we feel a need to rest because it's built into our natural rhythms. If we don't take this kind of rest, we will suffer for it. <clears throat> but it's not just taking a rest. It's taking a break from your normal patterns to focus more fully on God. It's for the purpose of connecting with God. Another idea is uh, simplicity. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 if then you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Simplicity allows you to focus on the things that really matter. It's a way of saying, these things are not important, these other things are important. Simplicity allows you to create space for others. It also, um, a connected idea is the idea of comparing. One of the worst things about social media is that it, it magnifies this sense of comparing yourself to others. And a lot of what we do is organized around, well, I have to be doing this or I'm not cool. I'm not like them. Why can they have this and I don't? <clears throat> that becomes a very, uh, very hard driver for a lot of what we do. But the comparing others um, is, is a, a really a bad thing for um, living a simple life. <laughs> you want to live more simply? Just stop comparing yourself to others. <clears throat> it also allows us to uh, learn how to say no. Again, in Luke, Jesus was able to say no to those who were asking. We need you to do stuff here. But he was able to say no. And a lot of times we also need to say no to keep things simple. And then the idea of slowing, just intentionally slowing down your pace of life. <clears throat> so, let's talk for a minute about what silence, solitude, and rest are not. Um, the first thing is a mystical experience. When people often hear silence, solitude, rest, their mind turns to something more mystical. That means a connection to the universe. I'm, I'm going to um, go away and, and be more connected to nature, to the to universe, to hear the audible voice of God. I want to hear God. Well, I want to hear God speak audibly? No, it's not that. To be at peace, very zen. Um, I'm just going to tune out. Um, those are things that this is not. <clears throat> it's also not a break just for the sake of taking a break. There are a lot of people, a lot of um, ideas out there, turn out, tune, turn off, tune out, um, living off the grid. A lot of people have gone this direction, um, but it's not just a break for the sake of a break. Instead, these are disciplines with a purpose. The purpose is to know God, to follow Him. So what are some more practical ways that we can, can do this? Um, what are some of the benefits? What are the, um, what's the context that we're talking about here? Well, the first one we've uh, seen in some of the other uh, lessons on, on these disciplines, and that's prayer and Bible reading. Silence and solitude can simply become an integral part of your times of prayer and Bible study. Start small. Just go away. Clear your mind of, of all the, the chatter and focus on 
prayer. That's very simple. Sometimes it's a little more difficult to do in practice, but that's why this is a discipline. You start small and, and you grow. <clears throat> Another benefit is the restoration of your body and soul. You gain perspective by putting yourself away, going away to be alone with God for a time. Another, uh, another occasion where this might be helpful is when you need to seek the will of God. We have a decision to make. We don't know what we should do. Well, um, you can use this time to seek the will of God by going away, to be apart. A lot of times we can be fooled by, our, uh, by that internal chatter. We hear a lot of messages, but by specifically setting aside a time to be alone with God will allow you to, um, to focus on those things like conscience and what God is speaking through the word with, uh, and through prayer. Another time might be when you have a, a personal crisis. Um, there were some examples in, in some of these books that we've, we've seen where um, a lot of famous uh, Christian people in history, um, example after example, where they, had, they came to a personal crisis. They had something going on um, that maybe shook their faith or they're, they're a missionary who is running into uh, heavy persecution. All kinds of, of things where um, they came to a point where they said, I, I need to do something and I don't know what to do. So what did they do? They went away alone with God. They put everything else aside to focus on this personal crisis. And that was the, the thing that helped them to be able to focus and move forward. Another way it's a benefit is that it is um, it helps to refresh ourselves to better serve the body. <clears throat> so, for example, um, leaders set the tone. If you're uh, if our pastoral team, if we're always constantly doing something, um, and we have a, a wrong perspective that's ordered around do 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 instead of the, the disciplines and taking things, uh, actually centering on the things that, that God is, is interested in, then we have that impact on everyone else. Everyone else thinks the church has to be doing something. How about in your home? Um, if if <coughs> dad is always busy and, and mom is always frustrated, do you think your kids pick up on that? Absolutely. You set the tone, and by following some of these practices, you can help reset the, the tone in your home. Same thing goes for relationships. Um, sometimes we have an imbalance. We want, we want more out of relationships. We want everything to be um, perfect right from the start, and, and, you know, oh, I'm so connected. Well, you actually need to make room. These things take time, and if you... If you are um, able to 
to set aside time to be alone with God, you can reset yourself to be able to uh, reset your, the tone that you have with, with the body, with your, your fellow believers. Ultimately, um, the goal is to center your life around this idea of abiding that we talked about. It's a, simply a disciplined life ordered around being rooted in the moment and connected to God as Jesus was. It's a very simple concept, but very difficult to execute. Some of these steps will help us get to, uh, to that kind of life where we are not always uh, being bombarded and harassed by everything that's going on, but by following some of these principles, we can begin to, uh, to abide and be connected. <coughs> Other ideas that uh, some have proposed that might be helpful are things like uh, brief retreats. You just need chance to get away, you know, make time to go away for a weekend. Um, as, as a couple, as a, uh, just by yourself. Um, incorporate some of these into your daily disciplines. Things like your prayer and Bible reading. Separate yourself. Um, specifically set aside a time to be by yourself. Um, doesn't always have to be something, you know, big. I'm, you know, going out to the garden. I'm going, you know, going to go away for a week and just start small, but regularly find time for yourselves to go away and be, be by yourself alone with God. Do you have any questions or comments at, at this point? You think this, this sounds easy to do? Is it something you can, you can incorporate in your, your daily lives? is necessary. Has anybody encountered this kind of thing before um, where you where you have felt all of those things that I listed in the beginning and you have actually been able to set aside some time and you found it helpful to be by yourself um, alone with God? I know it comes in in uh, waves, sometimes it's not—it's not always a consistent thing. I remember when I was younger, I did this a lot more often than I do now. But even something like you, some of you might remember Harvey Cedars. There's a uh, a Bible conference. Um, I would go every day. There's a nice patch of uh, tall reeds, a marshy area in the back behind one of the buildings. I would just go go back there. Um, read and sing. And nobody wants to hear me sing in person. <laughs> so this was good to sing to the, to the frogs and whatever else was in those weeds. But, um, you know, then we had four kids and, you know, everything just starts happening. And, and some of that, um, you know, was not as easy to do. Um, a lot of what I uh, discussed, we drew on some of these books, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Don Whitney, Habits of Grace by David Mathis. This is the book that is the foundation of uh, this series. 
And then a book um, by John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. You know, our staff has studied this, um, and we often try to incorporate some of those concepts in, uh, in some of our pastoral meetings. Um, we often, well, we always read a list of things before we start every meeting um, as a reminder of the things that are important. And one of those is sometimes hurry is not helpful because the tendency is to always just want to do things when sometimes we have to take a step back and say, well, what is, what is God doing in this? Let's, let's take it a little bit more slowly. And I know that uh, uh, some people have found this book helpful. It's not just another self-help book, um, which is what I kind of started with. Um, Time to get up. <laughs> There's what I uh, started with was the idea that this is, you know, a self-help book and it'll be very helpful in, in navigating some of these things. But it's very Bible-based, and it's uh, it's where um, I originally got the connection between abiding, which is something we've heard often about. You know, I'm the vine, you are the branches. But this idea of abiding um, is is really fleshed out in here, um, what that actually uh, entails, how you can do it. He goes into much more detail on some of the life of Jesus that, um, that we were only able to briefly touch on. <clears throat> so all of those were helpful, um, and I think John had mentioned before that a list of these resources will be available uh, at the end of the series. But it's... Uh, Again, something that we could spend a lot of time on, but this is just just to get you to think about these ideas of discipline. How can you reorder your daily life around these things? Hey, are there any other comments or questions before we close out? I think it takes intentionality. You can't just expect these things to happen. Yes. That's why it's a discipline. You can't expect them to just happen. It's, you need to be very intentional about them. That, that's absolutely right. Just the title sounds helpful. Rhythms of Rest. close in prayer Father we thank you again for being with us today we thank you for these tools that you've given to us these ideas and concepts help us to apply them to our lives we ask that you would give us the um, insight and discernment to see what things in our lives might need to change and give us the, uh, the ability to change them <coughs> we ask you would um uh, take the words that we've heard today and uh, apply them to our lives. <clears throat> we ask you to be with us for the rest of the service this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.